This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. I was at a wedding a few weeks ago in Bucyrus, a nice little venue called Pickwick Place. It's uh, three old red barns that have been converted, the first into a uh, chapel and reception hall. The second one is a store, like an antique store with all kinds of stuff there. The third is a farmer's market with a little cafe, just a, a beautiful little place. And after the wedding, my wife and I walked through the store, and I was amazed to see all of the, the antiques, and especially like the old tools and farm equipment, the implements that were there uh, for sale. Many of them rusty. They didn't look like they actually worked for what they intended for, but they still had some value. Have you ever gone into a barn or a garage and, and seen all of this like really at one time valuable and useful equipment that because it, it had been sitting for a long time exposed to the elements that it was no longer functional, useful. I, I'm always disappointed to see really nice, incredible tools that have fallen into disrepair in that way. It, it, it just, it bothers me. Maybe, let's, let's think of an example maybe a little closer to home. Have you ever bought, bought a piece of exercise equipment that you really intended to use for a specific purpose? That you, you had this thought in mind that, you know, three times a week I'm going to get cardio workout in. It's going to change my life. I'm going to feel better and, and it's going to go really well. And you, you put that treadmill maybe in the basement or in the bedroom so that you'll walk past it and be reminded to hop on and spend some time in the cardio. And then over time, it really, because it's not fulfilling its intended purpose, it takes on a different kind of purpose. And you have a really, really expensive clothes rack. <laughs> it, it's, it's always disappointing to see valuable, useful things unused, falling into disrepair, and really become worthless. Those tools that were once essential to a farmer. Now they're hanging on the wall at Cracker Barrel. There's just no other, no other use for them. And, and I, I not only feel a little disappointment, but sometimes like with the treadmill that's just sitting there, there's, there's guilt involved. But every time I walk by and I realize not only is this thing going to, to waste, but I'm also going to waste because I'm not on it. I'm not using it. And I, I know how much I, I really need to be. You know, when, when things aren't used regularly, they fall into disrepair and they become worthless. When we aren't active, when we're not using those uh, workout equipment, uh, with the, those treadmills, we fall into poor health. And the same is true of the church. When the church isn't active, it falls into a state of disrepair and poor health. When it's not active, it's, it's damaging to the faith of those who are part of the church. When a church isn't active, it's damaging to the community. And the witness of that church that it could be having on the community around it. Today I want to look in Scripture and, and think specifically about how the church is, is described in Scripture as an active place. A place where the, the people who make up the church are actively engaged, personally involved in what's happening in and around the church. And using the tools and equipment that they've been given. Last week we talked about how the church is equipped how the Spirit works in us to supply what we need for ministry, how God is preparing us to fulfill roles and tasks and providing everything that we need. Today we want to see the importance of using all of those gifts, all of, all of that equipment, all those tools for His kingdom and for His purpose and recognize also the, the danger that takes place when we choose not to. 
We're going to begin looking in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, please do so. The words will be here on the screen. If you have a, a phone or tablet and you want to use the YouVersion app, you can search under events for Parkview Finley, and you'll find our scripture and sermon notes there in the YouVersion app as well. Let's begin reading in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, num- added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, as we, as we examine this passage of Scripture, we see how the example of the early church provides uh, the attitude and the practices of a healthy, active church. And I want to be clear about where this passage takes place historically in the Bible. We look around the text. We look at the context of where we find this passage to truly understand what it means. And, and this description takes place immediately after the celebration of Pentecost, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was on the apostles, when they they spoke to the crowd there, convincing them of the identity of Jesus, of, of his death on the cross, his resurrection. And, and the crowd believed the truth about Jesus. They were baptized, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And this description happens immediately after that description of this boom that they began devoting themselves in these specific ways. Now, this description is of the church as it was at its inception. And while it would grow, while those who were gathered in Jerusalem would, would return home and implement the, the church in specific locations, there would then be uh, leadership that would be added to the church as Paul traveled and appointed elders. There would be structure that would come about. There's still this defining principle that the believers were devoted to these actions, devoted to these attitudes. We want to learn from their example, recognizing how this passage not only describes who they were at that time, but really describes the church at large, the the church that we are, the things that we should be focused on as well. The first thing we see is that the church is devoted to being actively involved together. And that's the example we have uh, in Acts chapter 2, that they they were devoted to being actively involved together, devoted to four very specific principles. The first is this. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, those believers there in Jerusalem had one advantage over us. They were hearing from the apostles themselves, hearing directly from their mouths. These men who were eyewitnesses of everything that Jesus did, of everything that he said throughout his earthly ministry. They walked with him. They lived next to him. And they were retelling these stories, the stories that we have recorded in the Gospels about their experiences with Jesus, about the the authenticity of Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah who came to save all people from their sins. And they were proclaiming this truth in the world around them, first to let people know their need to accept Christ as Lord and Savior and be baptized, and second to help those people grow in their relationship with Him, grow in discipleship, grow toward maturity. And we're reminded of the Great Commission when Jesus gathered His disciples together and, and commissioned them to take this message. He said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the beginning of the, the disciples following through on that commission. 
as they became apostles, declaring the truth about Jesus in Jerusalem. And they were then going to go out into the, the cities surrounding, the areas surrounding as those people left and churches were established, continuing to proclaim the truth about Jesus, to evangelize, to help those who had accepted Christ, to grow in discipleship, teaching them to obey. And the early church was committed to studying, learning, hearing what the apostles had to teach. These teachings would then be recorded in the pages of the New Testament that we continue to listen to and allow to shape our lives and mold us as a church. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were also devoted to fellowship. Now, fellowship is a, is a unique word in Scripture. It describes this intangible thing. It describes the, the connection that forms between people in relationship. It's kind of like a word that describes love. Now, we use fellowship to, to say this is something that we do when, we're, when we hang out together. We spend time together. We enjoy that time. That's fellowship. But fellowship truly is a description of the bond that forms, of the connections that form. We would, we would call that community, belonging, a family, what, that feeling of welcome and closeness that, that exists in those relationships. This word also describes the common ground of sharing in the burden of caring for others, putting tithes and offerings together to ensure that we as the church continue to present the gospel and develop disciples and care for the needs of others. Now, this word, this word fellowship in Scripture is only used to describe two kinds of relationships. One is the relationships that happen within the church. The second is the relationship between husband and wife in marriage. And it describes that connection, that, that deep bond that grows between people. The early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to fellowship. They were also devoted to the breaking of bread. And while in some places this term describes a meal shared together, this is specifically talking about communion, uh, about sharing the Lord's Supper together. And they were devoted when they gathered together to the, the act of remembering Jesus, his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, and the, the grace and love that he expressed. And, and this is the example that Jesus gave to his disciples in the upper room before his death as he gathered them together for a last meal and he took bread from the table and he took a cup. He said, I want you to, to eat this bread and think of my body and drink from this cup. Remember my blood that, was, that will be shed for your sins. And that's when that practice was implemented, the practice that remains in the church today, that is, they dedicated themselves to remembering Christ, to remembering the sacrifice and the life that he brings to us. They were also devoted to prayer. Prayer was a distinct part of their involvement together. They prayed as a group. They were devoted to this time of connection with the Lord. They were specific about the way that they took time to connect with God. Notice, in each of these things that they were devoted to, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer, they're all things that any of the, the people who were part of that church could have passively spectated when it was time to hear from the apostles. They could have sat and thought about something else. When it was time for fellowship, they could have focused on just one person sitting next to them instead of engaging deeply with the rest of the people that were gathered there together. Uh, when it came time for communion, they could have just taken a bite and taken a drink and not really invested their hearts and minds into the process of remembering Jesus. Uh, when it was time for prayer, they could have allowed the leader to, to pray and thought about something else, sitting quietly. There, there's the danger of having these very, very useful, productive practices available to us, and yet choosing, instead of being engaged in them, to step back and be passive in that experience. 
It's important for each of us to recognize our own responsibility as the church, to invest ourselves in the process of what's happening, to choose to engage our minds, engage our hearts, engage our, our, our whole selves, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in the practices that are taking place so that we can grow, so that we can develop those meaningful relationships with one another. Connecting meaningfully and growing through the process. Now, as we continue reading in this passage, we see how the early church was devoted to these four practices. And then we read about something that specifically applies to them and not to us. The people around them were in awe of the signs and miracles that the apostles were doing. Now, when we read through the book of Acts, we see specifically that the Holy Spirit enabled the apostles to do miraculous things to prove the validity of the message they carried about Jesus. Whenever the gospel message reached a new group of people, whenever a church was established in a new place, something miraculous would happen to verify that this was from God. Now, today, we don't see these specific acts of the miraculous. However, we do still see the miraculous in the way that God answers prayer, in the way that the Holy Spirit works in us, supplying what we need, empowering us for ministry, shaping us to become more like Christ. We still see those things happen, but it's not the same way that the signs were performed by the apostles. What we do see is more of the example the early church gave us as we continue reading on, that not only were they devoted to these specific practices, the church generously cares for one another. That when we see the example of the early church, we see their, their generosity as a product of the fellowship that they share. All of these new believers were primarily of Jewish background, gathered together for the celebration of Pentecost in Jerusalem. They were together in that place, and they shared everything in common. They had the unity of mind, of purpose, of faith, of heart, unity of action. They were united as obedient believers in Christ. Now, we have to be careful to recognize that this doesn't mean that they were living in a communal environment, all staying in one large bunkhouse, putting all their resources together and living off the pool of resources. These are two separate statements, two separate sentences that we need to be clear in defining. One, they were all in the same place together and shared everything in common. And then the next sentence, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And we need to be careful not to make any large assumptions about what that meant for their lifestyle. These are people who lived in other places, who had possessions, who had homes in other places that were gathered for a celebration. And they recognized as the church was established that there were needs among them that needed filled. And they viewed those needs as their responsibility. And they were generous in recognizing that everything they had, they were stewards of. That their possessions, their clothing, their homes truly belonged to the Lord. And if there was a need among them, they would be glad to give up what they had and generously provide for those who had need, which is very different than living communally, sharing everything all the time. And we want to be clear in the way that we read Scripture to read it for exactly what it says and not lay onto it any of our assumptions and draw false conclusions from the text of Scripture. We look farther in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, and we have a greater description of the way this took place among those believers. In chapter 4, verse 32, it says this, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So people still had their own homes, their own possessions, but they 
took opportunity of those moments of generosity to provide for those who might have need. Immediately after this passage, we read about Barnabas who sold a piece of land and gave it to the leadership, the apostles of the church to distribute. And all the church acknowledged how generous that was. And other people tried to follow his example and failed in the process, Ananias and Sapphira. But we see the expression of that, that mentality that if there's a need, I'm glad to give up what I have to help meet that need. If someone's cold, I'll give them an extra sweater. When I prepare a meal, instead of just cooking for me and my family, I'll cook enough to share with other people. They were generous in what they had. And that generosity blessed the church. The third thing we see as a mark of an active church is that the church enjoys time together and grows through connections. And that's still the example we have in the book of Acts as we continue reading through those verses that one of the themes that we see in the early church is joy. They truly enjoyed being together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God. And the early church was marked by joy, not just in Jerusalem at this incredible moment of expansion, but as they continued back in their homes, as they gathered together where they were then living and, and churches sprang up throughout the region, there was this joy that permeated. And specifically in Jerusalem, what we see is that their genuine enjoyment of being together made an impact on the community around them. And they enjoyed the favor of those around them. We, the people around them noticed that they were a happy group, that they were authentic and genuine, and they were impressed by their example and reputation. And not only that, but the community around them was so impressed by that that they wanted to hear about this truth about Jesus. They were impacted by the, the example of their lives and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That was the impact of their lives. So the, the devotion of the generosity of the joy that, that permeated them as a group, that they were making a significant, significant difference in the world around them. But notice it was God who added to the church. A product of their faithfulness, but not necessarily their responsibility to make sure that things were growing. They were faithful to do what they were called to do, and they trusted that God would add, that God would grow, that God would take care of the results. Now, we read about the church in the book of Acts, and we, we see the significance of, of their attitude, the significance of the, the practices that they were devoted to. And it leads me to a question. If someone were to write a description of the church today, if someone were, were to write about Parkview, what would they say? How would they describe us as a group of believers? What what? What kinds of things would they see as our attitude? What kinds of practices would they see that we are devoted to? That's a tough question to answer. It takes some time to think about. It takes some time to, to consider. And so while we're thinking about that, I want to answer this question. How can we make sure as a church that we're living up to the example that we have in the book of Acts? How can we as a church align our practices and our attitudes with this example? And I think... What we need to do specifically is to think about two things. One is to think about how we as a group can share these attitudes and practices. And two, we need to think how we individually have a responsibility to be an active part of the church. How important it is for you and me to engage wholeheartedly to invest our time, our energy, to invest our hearts and minds, to invest, invest emotionally and spiritually in the health of our church 
prayerfully submitting that to God and letting him grow us, letting him work in us to, to deepen our faith, to grow us as a group. And I think we need to make sure that we're thinking very specifically in terms of Parkview as a collection of people, not as a structure. This building is a building, not as a, a, a series of programs that we offer or not to think of Parkview as the leadership making decisions, but to think of Parkview as a gathering of believers, of people who the church depends on. And so first, I think it's important for us to share in this devotion to these practices, that we would specifically think about how we can devote ourselves to the Word of God. We think about what happens on a Sunday morning and the specific focus we have on Scripture, that the songs we sing, the words that, that we sing together are words that often come from Scripture or they describe the, the nature of God or our relationship with Him. When, when we have a sermon that I preach that we all listen to together, that that, that sermon is focused on Scripture not just some topical theme or a self-help message, but truly evaluating, understanding Scripture, and, and learning how we can apply the Word of God to our lives. That's the focus that we have. And yeah, we may cover topics. We may, we may address certain issues, but ultimately we are focused on the Word of God and the messages that we preach and listen to. We also have classes that meet on a Sunday morning in-depth Bible studies that meet during a worship service at 9 a.m. and at 1045 so that you could go to class and attend worship, attend worship and go to class, that there are opportunities for you to, to deepen your understanding of God's Word, to grow in your understanding of Scripture. And we have connect groups that meet throughout the week that, that combine uh, many layers of study, of food shared together, of community of caring for one another's needs physically, spiritually, and emotionally, that there are, there are opportunities for us all the time to invest in the Word of God and that each of us has a responsibility in our own understanding of God's Word and our time in spiritual disciplines and devotional time, growing our relationship of faith with the Lord and, and deepening our own faith in Him. And we're reminded that the, the teaching of the apostles about the resurrection of Jesus, about the truth that he's the Son of God, is both about discipleship and growing believers in their understanding of God and, and also evangelism. And it's important for each of us to be committed to carrying the truth about Jesus beyond these walls into the lives of people who need to accept him. And we recognize that we need to be committed to that idea while there are classes in place, while there are times set aside for us to study God's Word, we can't sit passively by and spectate. We have to be mentally engaged in the process. We have to choose to be a part of what's happening if we're going to grow personally, if we're going to grow as a church, deepening our faith and growing together in our study of God's Word. In terms of fellowship, this is a, such a welcoming church. When I think about what it is to come here on a Sunday morning, I'm, I'm encouraged by the kind of relationships that are shared, by the, the times that we spend talking and sharing life together. That, that when we think about fellowship, we're willing to move past sharing adjacent space while we worship individually, that we're, we're not just sitting next to people and behind people in the rows and all singing the same words and hearing the same sermon, but that we're engaged in the lives of other people, that we're connected, sharing that 
community, that belonging as we grow together. And, and beyond that, we have in our connect groups very specific times of sharing, times where people are, are sharing life together. And as they study God's word, as they eat together, as they talk together, building strong bonds, building relationships that go so much deeper than the superficial, so much further beyond the, the names and places where people work that we exchange in, in casual conversation, but really, really talking about life, really talking about things that we're dealing with and struggling with. And, and it's in those relationships that we're encouraged and where we, where we really grow. We have uh, ministry teams that, that function throughout the church, that, that govern every area of ministry in the church, a worship ministry team, a youth and children's ministry team, a, a evangelism, welcome, anything you can think of. There's a ministry team for it that happens here at the church. And while we serve together on those ministry teams, bonds grow together. When we serve alongside one another, that's one of the places where we, we truly develop meaningful relationships is the process of serving. I want to encourage you to think about if you're not already involved in a connect group or in a ministry team, that you would recognize the value of growing in relationships and connecting with people and using your talents and your time and your energy to serve the Lord together. Discovering the bond that forms when we engage, we recognize the value of serving. We think about how the church is devoted to the Lord's Supper. We, we share in the Lord's Supper every week. It is one of the primary goals of meeting together, that we would remember the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection, that we would share the bread and the cup and focus our hearts and minds on Jesus. We have opportunities to pray with one another all the time on your Connect card. If you're in need of prayer, you can, you can write the situation that you're facing, the things that you'd like to have people pray for, and know that when you drop that in the box that the leadership of the church, the elders and the staff are going to be praying for your needs. If you mark the line that you want it listed on the, on the email prayer list, that, that need that you have will be sent out to people of Parkview who are committed to praying for your needs. And you can submit prayer requests beyond a Sunday. On our website, there's a form that you can, that you can submit anytime. If you want to email us in the office or give us a call, we we are glad to be praying for you all the time. And if you would like to be praying for others, if you want to be the one doing the praying, we have opportunities for you. You can receive that prayer list throughout the week. Several times, it goes out several times a week. You can be praying for the needs of the church, engaging with people. There's a, a paper copy of that prayer list available on our connecting wall. And while we have opportunities to pray, while there are always times for you to, to give and receive prayer, one of the things that I find most encouraging are the times where I see people one-on-one, -on -one, face to face, on a Sunday morning or during the week when we gather together, having real genuine conversations, sharing about life. And, and when I've seen a couple of people talking or maybe a couple of families talking, it's not uncommon for me also to see one of those people pray over the other or one family pray over the other family. And and the, the true encouragement, the true sharing that takes place when we're willing to invest in each other, when we're willing to see that kind of, of connection that takes place as, as, as those spontaneous prayers are lifted up and, and specifically that care is delivered from one person, one family to another. Encouraged, growing in fellowship and prayer. 
You know, it's, it's vitally important for each of us to be actively involved as the body of Christ here together at our church. The health of our church depends on it, and the health of our own faith depends on it. As the body of Christ, the health of that body is dependent on you and on me to be genuinely invested. You, you know that's true. If you've, ever, if you've ever had an injury, maybe you broke an arm, and for weeks your arm is in a cast. You can't move it. You can't use it. And, and you're at a disadvantage because of that. You have to learn to tie your shoes with one hand. You have to learn to eat with one hand. Do everything at a disadvantage. And when that arm finally comes out of a cast, you notice that changes have taken place. That your arm is a different color than the other arm because it hasn't seen the sun in weeks. That your arm smells different than your other arm because it's been wrapped up in that sweaty cast for weeks on end. That, that when you go to use that arm again, things have changed. You're no longer as strong as you once were. Your muscles have atrophied. You have to, you have to develop your dexterity and strength again. And as your body gets used to using that arm again, there's a, a process of learning, uh, of growth that has to happen again. The same is true in the church. Maybe you've, maybe you've found that to be true through your own experience, that you, as a part of the body of Christ, if you've been away from church for a little while, you recognize the changes that take place in you spiritually. That you, in that separation, in that isolation, your faith grows a little bit weaker. You're well aware of the, the feeling of distance, that the fellowship is no longer there, that the connection is there, that you're no longer actively serving, and it changes you in a lot of ways. At that time where you're not serving, where you're not worshiping, where you're not connected to other people, weakens you specifically. When you're not active, you begin to lose strength. Atrophy sets in. You lose your endurance. Just as the body stays healthy when it's active, the church is healthy. When all of the pieces of that body are healthy and active, when we're sedentary, we begin to develop health problems. And individually, as parts of the church, when we're no longer active, we become lethargic and tired. And our inactivity causes other parts of the body to compensate. And in the process, we become complacent, we become unmotivated, and sometimes we even get frustrated with the church because the church isn't what we expect it to be. The church isn't doing what we expect it to do and all the while, we're sitting back and spectating. And we may not even realize the changes that are taking place within us, that the joy is no longer there, the fellowship, the community, the belonging is no longer there. And we truly are slowly declining in health spiritually because of our separation from the body of Christ. As we reconnect, as we recognize our need to support the body of Christ, there's a learning process that takes place. As we develop that strength and endurance again, as we, as we reconnect with the other parts of the body and support and encourage them, that we have to learn to work together again and become the active, healthy part of the church. When we are apart from the church, when we, when we are inactive, we, we see the, the change that takes place personally, but sometimes we're unaware of the change that takes place in the church that when a part of that body is not working, the church suffers for it. When part of that body isn't present, the church feels that 
distance and isolation as much as the person does. And the challenge we face is to take responsibility for the church, for the relationships that we have with people, and not view this place as a building or a structure or a leadership, but to view Parkview as a gathering of people who are dependent on one another, who encourage one another, who challenge one another to serve, and who grow through that process of being active together. We were made to live in community. We were built to grow through relationships. And our spiritual development depends on our relationships with other people, on the accountability of having people know who we are and what we're doing. People who can say, missed you at church on Sunday. People that we've served next to, maybe uh, that we greet with at the doors. And the week that we aren't there for whatever reason, they feel the difference of serving without us. And maybe they'll call and say, hey, I really missed you this week. It wasn't the same. Not sharing in that time of talking and connecting with you personally as we serve together. I really missed you being there. There's a benefit that we, that we have in practicing our faith next to one another that develops us beyond what we could ever become on our own. That as we are the church, people gathered together, there's a growth that takes place that surpasses any and everything we could do on our own. We look in the book of Hebrews and we see the, the urge that, that is listed there about growing together in faith. Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. This has been a topic for the church, even from the the days of the New Testament, that we need to be reminded of the value of being a part of the body of Christ. We need to, to be reminded of the, the growth and the community that comes when we gather together. And not to, not to let go of that, not to give up meeting together, but instead to recognize not only the, the, the encouragement and the growth that takes place in us, but the, the health, the strength, the community, the growth that takes place in the family here at Parkview when we are in an engaged committed part of that body of Christ. We need to recognize that our relationships with other believers are dependent on our active participation in the church. And we suffer and they suffer when we aren't together. We all grow together when we share in the burden, when we take responsibility for who we are as a church and together work to make this place healthy and active and strong. And that's the challenge we face today, the challenge I want to lay before you we think about what it is for us to be an active and healthy church, growing closer to the Lord, growing together as the body of Christ, sharing in the teaching of the apostles, sharing in fellowship together, sharing in the breaking of bread and in prayer, that we would continually be devoted, connecting with one another. And right now, I want to I ask you to think about your participation in the body of Christ, your commitment, the responsibility that you feel to the people sitting around you. And I want to challenge you with a couple of very simple things to think about how you can actively engage, how you can give your time, how you can give your energy, how you can use the gifts and tools that God has given you to support his kingdom and to encourage the believers around you and to make Parkview a better place all the time. Are you in a connect group? If you're not, would you consider joining one and growing in community with another group of believers? 
Are you serving on a ministry team? Are you using what God has given you for his kingdom and for his glory? If you're not, we have information out of the connecting wall. Would you just go, go see what's available? Go, go find a place to use your talent for the Lord and, and get to know other people here at Parkview. Are you here? Are you present with us? Are you actively engaged in worship? Are you growing through accountability and mentoring? Are you, are you invested in relationships around you? One of the things that you can do to grow in relationships is just to, to choose to invest in the people around you. Have lunch with people after church on Sunday and get to know them on a deeper level. To connect during the week. To, to, to stay and have meaningful conversations with people instead of running off to get to lunch. To show up a little bit early before the service and have a cup of coffee with somebody instead of walking in after the music starts and sitting down quietly and waiting for the service to be over. Let, let's be the family of God. Let's share in the burden of, of, of serving together and growing through those relationships. Let's see what God will do in us when we are committed to one another and committed to his church. This morning, if you have a decision to make about your relationship with Jesus, if there's anything in your life that you need prayer for, I would encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing together. Please stand.